What a privilege it is to be delivering God's word from Ephesians chapter 5, 1 through 17, and also Matthew 7 and 1 through 25. At the conclusion of our service, we will be having communion, and Pastor Steve will lead us into that. So if you would like, at whatever time, to go ahead and gather your elements so that you can participate with us here, and we can all partake in Holy Communion together. From Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, Follow God's example, therefore as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Verse 8. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Find out what pleases the Lord. Verse 13, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, wake up sleeper, rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And from Matthew 7, verse 1, don't judge others or you will be judged yourself. You will be judged in the same way that you judge others. And the amount you give to others will be given to you. Why do you notice the little piece of dust in your friend's eye? But you don't notice the big piece of wood in your own. You hypocrite, how can you say to your friend, let me take that little piece of dust from your eye? Look at yourself. You still have that big piece of wood in your own eye. So first, take the wood out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to help your friend. May God add his blessing to our reading of his word this morning. Amen. I want to talk a little bit about this dance between law and grace today. Because the relationship between grace and law ends up being a central and specific issue for almost anyone involved in Christianity or a Christian way of being in the world, and it has been since the very beginning. I think the issue of law and grace is the creative tension between religion as requirement and religion as transformation. We've talked about transformation a great deal this year. And I can't think of a better year to discuss this topic than 2020. 
it's probably one of the most important years, at least in my life, that this conversation continues because it is such an important component of our faith. As we read from Ephesians 5 and verse 8, once you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. The most easily accessible symbol of transformation, and forgive me if I'm being too simple, is the butterfly. To the early Christians, butterflies represented the essence of the soul. Consistent change, cycles of growth, and ultimately a profound transformation. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. The metamorphosis of a butterfly from a caterpillar is still considered one of the greatest mysteries of creation. How one form of life can be melted down to its base elements. Have you ever felt like you were melted down to only (laughs) your base elements? How it can be melted down to those base elements and become from that completely changed into a brand new form. And this time one that flies. Why does that matter? And what does it have to do with the subject of law and grace, you might ask? Well, I think this process of transformation brings us back to what is sacred and holy, and it connects us to each of our journeys toward more and more freedom in Christ. We are all growing from one stage into another. And sometimes we struggle and sometimes we don't realize that there's beauty and promise in the midst of that struggle. Sometimes we don't realize that it may seem the darkest time, but it is really the beginning of our light that is about to shine brighter than ever before. We need to know that. We all need to know that or we might give up too soon. We were destined to fly. And to do that is a matter of balance. It's important to know there's a push and a pull. There's a balance to both law and to grace. And properly used and understood, law and grace, I believe, are a good team to work with. Number one, law has its place in transformation. We read in Ephesians 5 and 15, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. In verse 17, therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is, not what our will is, but what his will is. It's not a coincidence that the law was given first in the Bible. The Israelites, they were spiritual children on the first leg of a long journey of of growing up. They needed wisdom and they needed structure. They needed accountability. 
They needed some way to make sense of their world. It's a good system, this system of law, to help us with anxiety because you don't have to worry about making a choice. It's all laid out in black and white. The law was a container and it held things in place. You see, if you don't have a solid container, you are not held in place long enough to where you can grow deep in your faith. That is what the law does best. It gives us a solid container to undergo transformation if we allow it to do so. It's like the butterfly's cocoon. It provides a safe space and it lays out the boundary lines to begin our journey toward maturity. The law can be a really good map if we use it appropriately. We begin our journey as spiritual children, just like the Israelites. And we need someone to tell us, so to speak, to eat our vegetables and to do our homework. Someone to tell us to go to bed on time so that we're rested and ready for the next day. The kind of grace we need at this point of development is just a gentle reminder, a gentle hand helping us and and reminding us of the boundaries or the law. Early on, we don't yet have the maturity to manage our freedom. So the people who are charged with helping us grow up, they need to be kind, but they need to be firm. At that stage, we're not self-disciplined enough to be released from the law. We want to push it away and we want to have our own way. But that is the very time that we need to pull it really close to us so we can avoid being foolish. How do you know if you need those kind of boundaries while you're on your spiritual journey? Well, if you have trouble managing your own self-discipline, you need those kind of boundaries. For as long as is necessary. And let me tell you something. These are training wheels and there is no shame in that. There is a lot more that we can offer God than obedience. But until people have some level of mature spiritual experience, there is no point in asking them to follow the ethical standards of Jesus. They simply cannot understand them. One simply does not have the power to collaborate with Christ, especially in ways like forgiveness of our enemies, nonviolence, humble use of power, and so on, until you have grown by experience. And that takes time. We fall down and we get up. And we fall down and we get back up. And we fall down and we get back up. Up. This is how we learn to balance. This is how we grow. Hebrews 10 verses 13 tells us that it is an awesome thing to fall into the hands of a living and loving God. The law is there to cause us to fall into the hands of a living and a loving God. 
It is an awesome thing to fall into the hands of the living God. It's the dance of love. It's a strong shoulder to lean on while we learn this dance, while we learn how to balance, while we learn how to grow in this safe space to deeper Christian maturity. Number two, grace is the content. Matthew 7 and 4, look at yourself. You still have that big piece of wood in your own eye. First, take the wood out of your own eye. Then you will see clearly to help your friend. Law is a necessary stage one, but if you stay there, it can stunt your growth. It can become a stumbling block. It can frustrate the process of transformation because it can become an end in itself. But law is a necessary container, but do not substitute the container for the real contents of the container. And that is grace. It takes a fair amount of maturity to understand and to give grace. Galatians 3.24 says the law is only our nursemaid. The law guides us through our spiritual childhood. Example, a young child has a very black and white, right, wrong, concrete view of life. They want to enforce laws harshly. And this is when we begin to hear that's not fair or that that's wrong or he did this or she kicked me first. Well, you did it, too. But what's that got to do with what's happening now? And it was just about this time in the development of the Jewish people that Jesus entered the picture and said, grow up. It's time to grow up. Listen, this law that was given to you, you have now taken it and you have used it not to set people free, but actually to oppress them. So now I got to show up and set things right again, because that was not the intent of the law that was given to you. It was given to you so you could learn how to manage and love and grow in a safe space and, and, and discover who I am as, as your God and you as my people. But you've taken the thing that I gave you so that you could help, that, so that you could grow into more loving, mature individuals and you've taken that law and now you've used it to oppress people. So now he's got to show up and say, hey, um, there's more to this and I'm about to fulfill it. He shows up in grace and he loves all those people who've been marginalized and kicked to the side because of the law that was more important than the people that God loved the most. Matthew 7 and 1 and 2, don't judge others or you will be judged yourself. You will be judged in the same way that you judge others. Jesus began telling abstract stories when he showed up on the scene to help people grow up. Like the parable of the worker in the vineyard and the parable of the man with two sons. And this parable of the man with the two sons, or the prodigal son, it's sometimes called, has absolutely, just, I've just been reading about this parable for the last few weeks. Um, and I, I've seen things, like only the parables can do this, right? But I've just seen things that I've never seen before. If you know the story of the parable of the man with two sons, you, you know that and you see a few things. Here's one. The father goes out, 
But he goes out to both sons. He doesn't wait for them to come to him. In fact, it says that while the, the prodigal son, while the youngest son was still a, a far ways off, <laughs> he started running toward him. He also goes out to the elder son. He doesn't wait for the elder son to come in. He also goes out to him. I had never seen he went out to both of them because my focus was always on, oh, it's this one who walked away and then how God welcomes them home when they finally realize how terrible they are. But maybe there's something more going on in this story. Not only does the father go after both sons, which tells us something about how God goes after his people. But it also, he, he reassures both of them of their rightful place. He tells them that they, that they belong. There are two lost sons in this story. There's one who wanted to be a servant. And there's one who felt like a servant. But the father insisted that they are sons and brothers to each other. The elder brother, the dialogue is quite interesting, especially in Luke's narrative where the father is speaking to the elder son and the son says to the father in, in talking about his younger brother, he says, this son of yours. And the father has an interesting response. He says, this brother of yours. He's complaining and he says, this son of yours. And then he stops and reminds him. He says, uh-uh, no, this brother of yours. Because he was unwilling to relate himself to anything that his little brother had done. But the father needed to remind him, no, you don't get to just distance yourself like that and pretend that you are not family. Regardless of what he's done, regardless of the way that you feel, as the father, I'm going to remind you, it's that brother of yours. If... If the elder son accepts the father's invitation, it will have incredible consequences that will last for generations to come. He will gain a brother. I always looked at it as a father who, who regained a son who came home. But in looking closer at almost the third act, if you will, of this parable, the father's talking to the son and he's saying, listen, if you do this right, it, you will gain a brother. <laughs> I've known this the whole time. I love you both. I'm coming out to you both. I am, I am reassuring you both. Regardless of what you think, I'm telling you that it is not necessarily about me losing a son. This is about you gaining a brother. We must come to ourselves at some point. Realizing that we are his children and that we are brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. And it is only God's grace that allows us to do this. And it's only there 
that we can know who we truly are and we are able to speak the truth without which we simply cannot live. These are stories that Jesus told that challenge the concept of law and fairness, stories that allow for the mystery of grace. John 1 and 17, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus the Christ. I believe we need to take Jesus seriously. Because if we don't understand grace, we have little need of mercy or compassion and the generosity of God. Without grace, we're simply trying to save ourselves or others. And let me tell you, it doesn't work. It is very humbling to look through the darker moments of our lives and realize that God has forgiven us and has loved us and has reminded us of our place in his family to feel the weight of the law and sometimes even the consequences suddenly lift from our shoulders through grace and realize that we need to extend that same grace to the world around us and to everyone whom we meet. Consider Ephesians 2 and 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. This is not, you were born on third base. You did not hit a triple. This is not your own doing. By grace, you've been saved through faith. And this is not your doing. It is a gift from God. It's not a result of works, so none of you can boast. It's the willingness to say that I've been found by God. It's the willingness to be found. And let me tell you something. I believe with all my heart that grace will hunt you down. This is why we call the gospel of Jesus such good news. We accept this free gift of grace by believing. And we can't buy this gift. We can't earn it uh, through using the law. We can't obtain it by doing all the right things that we think we're doing. We simply accept it by faith and we grab God's extended hand of grace. And this act of faithfulness and graciousness transforms us at our very As we come to the table of grace this morning that is being freely offered by God to we, his children, may we be found exactly as we are. May we be willing to be found just as we are. And may we hear the words of God to each and every one of us. Don't you know that everything I have belongs to you? Don't you know that no matter what, both of you, both of you are my children and I will always come out to where you are. I will always remind you of who you are and may you be, if you are somehow disconnected, be reconciled with your brother in whatever way God is calling you to be reconciled with your brother. May you make the next step and be reminded that we are called to a life of reconciliation where we, if possible, will not only know we're loved by a father, but will gain a brother once again. 
let us pray. Lord Jesus, Son of God, thank you for all that you have done, all that you are continuing to do, all that you will do, Lord God. It is only by your grace that we are set free, that we are transformed. So Lord, may we receive more of you in our homes this morning, uh, here in the sanctuary this morning, five years from now when someone stumbles upon this on the internet, Lord God. May we just come to your table and be reminded that we are both loved and we are being called to reconcile. We ask all of these things in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.